0: Has anyone ever tried to take advantage of you? While you're thinking those wonderful thoughts, let me tell you a story. <laughs> I'll never forget when uh, my wife and I were engaged, and she went to a bridal expo, and while she was there, she filled out something in order to win a free honeymoon, which was perfect because we were penniless. Well the next day happens, and we're called up, and congratulations, you're a winner! An all-inclusive trip to the Caribbean. This is fantastic. It fits who we are. We're winners, by the way. I've won on The Price is Right, a Game Boy, a Teddy Bear. So of course we won. All we have to do is go to a presentation. And we didn't know about this. Shh. The first hour is pretty good. (laughs) In the first hour, we're learning about this phenomenal cookware. They even give us some bites to eat, you know, which is good, because we're always hungry. Um, and and it's kind of laissez-faire. If you don't buy this, we know that you're just here for the free honeymoon. In the third hour, it changed. After a 45-minute presentation on finances, how for the rest of your life you can pay 50 cents to buy $6,000 cookware, it changed. Ended up where the salesperson was like, I don't believe the people who don't buy the $6,000 cookware. What are they thinking? I bring this up because have you been there? And for you, maybe it was the timeshare, and, and they made this emotional appeal, and it tugged at your heart, and now you got a timeshare for the rest of your life. It's in New Orleans, and, uh, but, but man, was that an effective story. There's a hotline for that, by the way. <laughs> or maybe for you, it was buying a car, and, and you know market value. It was priced $1,000 over, but they gave the impression that their business was going to close. I mean, the lights couldn't stay on unless they had that $1,000. This is relatable, isn't it? And so we deal with manipulation, don't we? Now, now by the way, um, I'm not against salespeople. I, I know there might be some sales people here, and, and, and that's great. That's a good field. It's necessary even. But could we maybe agree that some sales tactics are not the best? Some sales tactics are, are, are maybe verging on the manipulative, okay? Um, and I bring this up also because it's not just in the world of sales where we feel this. We have manipulators in our relationships, in our families, in work, at school. They're all around, really. And what is manipulation? Manipulation at its core is basically, I want to use you for something I need, right? And our first takeaway, it's kind of a does statement, but it's, it's true. We live in a world where some people seek to manipulate. And I wanted to give you just a a few of the tactics, three tactics that manipulators are known for using. Uh, Number one, uh, manipulators are known for using flattery. The type of statements, oh, you're the best. You're so kind. I mean, uh, you you should have your own plaque here. By the way, we're going on a two-week vacation. If you could just watch the dog for two weeks. Oh, you're the best. Thanks so much. Flattery is an effective way of manipulating Number two, if you're taking notes, um, the next one is guilt. But you said you cared about me, and you're not going to do that? But you said you cared about that cause, and you're not going to give? And you call yourself a Christian. Right? Another one, threats. Threats can be effective. And and here someone could withhold something from you that they know that you want. Here they could say, well, if you don't, I'm going to tell what you did last summer. Threats are effective. Now, we've already established that maybe we see this going on in the world. Uh, In in fact, if you were looking at the news, uh, Britney Spears has popped up. And the reason that Britney Spears has popped up is there's this campaign called Free Britney uh, because apparently uh, people think she's being manipulated uh, by none other than her father. Her father has absorbed con- conservativeship, and so some have said that he's uh, misapplied her money and her time and been controlling. And so she made the news because a couple days ago he was suspended from that conservatorship. So this is a real issue if you could relate to it on any level, the question is: what does God want us to do with a manipulative? Now, first of all, I just wanted to welcome you again, if you're new online or to Christianity. there's truly no one like God. In fact, what I love about him is that he loves you with no strings attached. When you had nothing to give him and nothing to offer, he still gave everything on your behalf so that you could know he is the God of free and faithful love. In in fact, there is this verse, uh, Ephesians 2. It's such a great one. I, I refer to it often. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a, can you say that word? It is a, God loves you as a gift. God saved you as a gift. In fact, your response to God, the only thing you can give him is thanks. You cannot add to your salvation. You you cannot earn your way. The only thing you can do is thank him. And there's tremendous freedom in how you choose to thank him. He just says, I think it'd be good to love. That's his overarching directive. Would you love if you want to thank me? And when it comes to the manipulative in our life, uh, something that Pastor Jeff brought up beautifully in this series is that we don't need to get the justice. It's above our pay grade. We can let God get the justice for those who are trying to mistreat us. He sees it all. He knows it all. And while that's the case, how can we get more wisdom on how to deal with a manipulative? That's what I want to talk about today. So as we learned today, the, the word we're going to discover is when those manipulators tried to trap Jesus with their ways, which is a foolish idea. And that's what we're going to learn from. Uh, the Jews and the Herodians, they come to Jesus, they're trying to trap him, they're trying to manipulate him. Um, and our, our story is from Matthew chapter 22. Uh, something we do in honor of the word of God is we simply stand for it. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we hear the word. It says, and Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, Teacher, they said. We know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you don't pay attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him into denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him, they went away. These are powerful words. You may be seated, and, you know, I think it's easier to trap Jesus than to hug a porcupine and not get pricked. Have you seen those videos, by the way, of the cheetah? with the porcupine or the dog with the porcupine? Anyway, random, okay. How far can flattery take you? It was interesting, I was doing a study of the rise of political leaders in India. And India is notorious for not being able to move from your caste that you were in, not not able to, to climb up very easily. But this commentator was seeing that flattery works. He was referencing how in India, uh, what they do is called the touching of feet. It's a way of showing respect, of, of placing someone above. And the comment was this, that many of those who mastered the art of flattery rose in the party ranks with meteoric speed and were rewarded with attractive ministerial birds, irrespective of their strength and capability. Have you ever seen that? The effectiveness of flattery? Have you ever been on the other side of that? Maybe you were a boss and they over the top told you what a good job you were doing. Maybe it was a company trying to sell something to you and they just praised you as if you were changing the world and we can help you do that too. Flattery can be hugely effective. It's a tactic that was used for Jesus. As we look into the lesson, consider the words that the group was sharing. Look at these. Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in accord with the truth. You're not concerned about gaining anyone's approval because you're not swayed by appearances. Now, talk about laying it on thick, right? You speak only the truth. We know your heart. But the only problem with this is they already had a track record. The problem with this is that it was a flat-out lie. The group that came to him were known for disagreeing with Jesus. They were known for fighting with him over what he taught, for being against what he was trying to share. In fact, if you do a cursory overview of Jesus and his relationship with religious people, it was tenuous to say the least. At one point, Jesus stood up in a synagogue and he said, the scriptures are fulfilled and I am the Messiah. And look at the reaction. All those who were in the synagogue were filled with rage when they heard these things. The account goes on and they wanted actually to take Jesus to a cliff and throw him off it. And so when they come and they tell Jesus, oh Jesus, you only preach according to the truth. Ugh. He's observed the track record. Why does this matter for us? Do you know what's true about the manipulative in your life? You can't know their hearts. And God's not asking you to judge their hearts or investigate their hearts. But you know what you can observe? Their fruit. A passage that has meant more to me the longer I've lived is this one where Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And what does this mean in relationships? It it means that when I'm curious about a company, I I can, uh, even though I don't know what they're trying to do, read the reviews (laughs) and that fruit might be known. I can, in my interactions with someone, evaluate the person who's asking me to do this. Were they for me in the past? Or do I have the sense by their fruit this was all about them? And that here again, it might be as well. Yes, by your fruit, you can recognize them. And so I think an effective way of dealing with the manipulative is evaluating their fruit. Now, how might this play out? When it comes to those in your life, I do believe that God calls us to love, forgive, and even wish everyone well. Would you agree with that premise? The people in your life, do you think God wants you to love, forgive, and wish them well? I agree. I see some head nods. Let me follow up. Does God want you to trust everyone implicitly? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that's wise. So a tame example of this, let's say you have a child who says, you know what, I want to buy something on Amazon. Click it and ship it, some LED lights. And they say, if you just do that, if you click it and ship it, I'm going to clean the kitchen for you. Okay, that, that's, that's the arrangement. Now, if this child has no track record of ever cleaning the kitchen, when, if you're going to buy that thing, are you going to buy it? Before or after the kitchen is clean? After? Absolutely. That's recognizing the fruit first. On a more serious level, as a pastor, I get to walk with people and they're like, Pastor, I don't know whether to trust that person. I don't know what to do in this situation. They're promising me they're going to do this and I don't know what to go do next. And a big tip off? What's their fruit been? Yes, people can change, especially people in the Spirit can change, but I'm just telling you, if they don't have that track record of change, Watch out. By their fruit, they are known. So Jesus has a leg up. He, he not only recognizes their fruit, but Jesus can actually look into their hearts more than we can. And, and Jesus, he, he, he calls them out. He says, Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? And to continue, I want to talk about the value of Honesty. The value of honesty. Would you agree that if you're honest, you can save a lot of time, energy, emotion, and potentially money? I remember um, Kat and I for a while did Friday night date nights. Can anyone relate to Friday night date nights? And uh, time progressed and we got old, respectively. And it happened upon us to to recognize that while we were there, we were extremely tired... (laughs) We didn't have a lot of emotional strength. We preferred if we were at home in bed, and, and so we, we, we kind of realized, if we were honest, that Friday night date nights are not the greatest. Now, uh, we, we'd prefer to, like, you know, go to bed at 8.30. That's, that's what age does to you, right? Um, dates, are they good? Yes. Honesty that Friday night? No. Yeah, that's, that's something we found out. I wonder, in in how many situations would just honesty save you a lot of time, emotion, and energy? In in fact, I I believe what Proverbs says about honesty, that an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. It cuts through a lot of stuff. If you love me enough, just be honest with me, all right? In, In fact, maybe you've had friends in your life who have done this for you. They've said, you know, do you know when you get around certain people, you say that, you do that? They try to help you. When you're in the meeting, do you you know that this is how you look or this is what you do? Those things can be hugely effective. In fact, that amazing love, I just got done with my pastor review. Do you know I get reviewed? And and I I welcome it. You know why? Because the church family who I love loves me enough to say, I think things could be better if. And it's good. We don't actually kiss, but it's like a kiss. How much more time would we save if when the salesman came we just cut through and like I just don't have the money sorry how much emotion instead of this dance hey I know you want me to do this but I can't I'm already doing this it doesn't work it could save so much time energy and emotion and so dealing with the manipulative we be appropriately honest and isn't that what that show was like what not to wear We could help you if you accept our honesty. Be appropriately honest. What's hard about manipulation though is sometimes the truth is hard to find. If you've been in an intensely manipulative relationship, sometimes if you're in it long enough, you're like, I don't know what is true anymore. In fact, uh, it kind of reminds me, when someone repeats a lie long enough, it can become truth. that's what Vladimir Lenin said. A lie told often enough becomes the truth. And so maybe you've been in situations where you're like, I don't even know. Maybe it is all my fault. I don't know. If you sense that you're in a relationship where someone's taking advantage and you don't know where it goes wrong, my advice is bring a third party in a Christian counselor, a trusted friend describe it so that they can point out, no, this is what should be. These are honest truths. These are the fouls. This is where that went on and it can be hugely helpful. So honesty, so good. And that's what we see with Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He says, you know what? Come, bring me a denarius. And so they brought him this coin. And he said, whose inscription is that? And They say Caesar. And then these words, he says, So give to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. And as he jumped to the truth, this is a truth that Scripture reveals. The truth that both God and government deserve our obedience. They wanted to pit him one against the other, choose one or the other. He would have none of it. And the truth is what amazed him. You know what amazes me more than his response? I'm amazed at Jesus' heart. Because here you have manipulators trying to take advantage of Jesus in a condescending way. And that's the thing about manipulation. It's so disrespectful. And yet, he still loves these people. He still wants to forgive these people. He's still going to suffer and die so that these people can be forgiven and potentially in heaven with him forever. Let me show you his heart. To these same people, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you weren't willing. The heart of Jesus to want them. You know why it's so good for us? Because it means he can want us. This heart, this grace, it extends to us. Because the truth is, we don't just deal with difficult people. We are them. (laughs) The truth is, we haven't just been manipulated. We've manipulated And God can still look into your heart and say, wow, oh yeah, that's there. Oh, I see everything. But he can also say, but I'm going to clean it. I still want you. I still love you. And through his cross and his resurrection, he's replaced our filthy rags, and he's given us righteous robes. To the point that when he presents us to his heavenly father, the heavenly father's not having a tough time dealing with us. He sees a beautiful bride all because of Jesus. That is you, irregardless of how clean your life is right now. A beautiful bride presented to a father because he wanted you, because he loves you, because he forgave you. And that's the beautiful truth we share to everyone watching online Or if you're new to Christianity, you might wonder about the heart of God. In fact, during COVID, you might even wonder, is he mad at you? Is he against you? And here's the thing, he wants you. He loves you, and he's made you clean. You're beautiful in his eyes. But then from that reality, he gives us probably our most effective means to deal with the difficult people. And the most effective means is this. It's where we started. It's with forgiveness. And forgiveness does not mean we don't set up boundaries, and it doesn't mean that we trust implicitly, but it does mean that we offer to them the same love that God offered us. And we get set free even of those who have taken advantage of us. We live in that forgiveness. But in the time left, I wanted to flip the script a little bit. And instead of talking about the manipulative, want to talk about how we might not manipulate others, if that's okay. And to bring this up, I I want to know, have you heard the phrase, fake it till you make it? Fake it till you make it. I was reading about companies who kind of operate this way, uh, fake it till you make it, and one company was selling electric trucks. Here's an electric truck from Nikola, and they put together this video of the truck actually moving, but really it was just rolling down a hill. (laughs) Which, as you might assume, made investors mad. look, our truck is re- working no it's rolling down a hill. Um, the, the article I was reading made this this difference between you know um, being confident in what your company can do and actually deceiving people and, and where it was leading is that like you, you shouldn't deceive you, you shouldn't promise things that aren't going on right or cannot happen. I bring this up because from this lesson, we might go out and say, well, okay, pastor, I'm never going to be nice again. I'm never going to say an encouraging word again because, you know, that might be manipulative. Is that what we should be? No. Oh, no. I don't know about you, but I like kindness. I like encouragement. I like people who even call me up because they're so kind. That's not manipulation. But, but here's, here, here's a principle. I think going forward from this day, we should say kind things that are also true. That's the difference, right? A flatterer is making things up. And here's what I believe about every person you meet. You could look into their lives and find so much good, you wouldn't have to make something up. Be that person. Establish relationships with honesty because you love them, because you want to encourage them, because you want to just show the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness that is always good. I wonder if this kind of honesty would be applied to all of our companies. (laughs) Would it be effective? Can you imagine working with companies or people where they're honest about where the project is? (laughs) What's really going on? (laughs) We've worked for companies. We know things go haywire. It would be a better world (laughs) if people were just honest. In fact, I remember the Global Leadership Summit and they were talking about the revitalization of the Japanese automobile industry. And, and, and now Japan is known for making some of the most reliable cars. And, and the way it changed is, is when all of them got honest about what was going on and what was going wrong. And when they were honest about that, they could collectively problem solve. So be honest, say things that are kind, but also true. But perhaps the biggest thing behind all of this, what do you do when you do have the upper hand? And some of you know when you do. Some of you know when you've caught the attention of that person and they would do almost anything. Some of you are confident it is because of your beauty, your personality, your way with people, your charisma, uh, sometimes your power, your position, your money, sometimes you know that you have the upper hand. What do you do? For the company that when your tire was flat and they fixed it for free and now you need four tires, what do you do? For the person who hurt you and now you have a chance to hurt them, what do you do? When you think about this, I consider when the prodigal son comes home. What could the father have done? The father could have put the son in the ultimate doghouse, right? Could have made him less than a servant, and he would have done it. The chores, the penalty box that he could have put the son in, and yet what did the father do? He couldn't help but love him and help him and welcome him back with the full rights of a son. So, for some of us who have influence, when given the upper hand, what if we just used our power to love them and help them because we were in that position? Isn't that what the Son of God did? When Jesus came to earth, at any moment, he could have got what he wanted. He could have made a way. He could have eliminated those opposers. He could have done all of that and he would have done it with righteous authority. But what did the Son of Man do? Who in being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage but made himself nothing because he wanted to help and love you. This is the truth of our God. May his truth continue to guide you relationally going forward. And may you want the same heart. A heart that's still willing to forgive, love, and help all those who come in your path. And may the Spirit empower you. Amen.